Hi guys, hi guys and good morning. Good morning, I hope you're doing amazing today. I hope uh, everything's going great for you. And uh, you're enjoying uh, good weather, good family, friends, and uh, God is doing good things in your life and through you and to you. I hope, I hope these things are happening to all of us, that we're seeing the evidence of God around us. We're seeing the, the hand of God working around us, and God is doing cool things. I, I hope you're a part of that. Man, I, I get to be blessed by being a part of that all the time in the work I do uh, because I get to work with kids, I get to work with adults, I get to be a part of the ongoing work of the kingdom of God and the church and the ministry. And it's, it's such a blessing. I hope, I hope you're uh, a part of that. Today we kick off a whole new series. I'm excited about this. Uh, we're going to be in the book of 1 John, 1 John, as we study uh, over the next few weeks through the book of 1 John and see what John has to say to uh, believers in the church and uh, in the community and in the body of Christ, but also what God has to say through John to you and I. Now, the book of John most people believe was written by the Apostle John who also wrote the Gospel of John. And so what we're going to see in 1 John, 2 John, 3 John is a lot of similarities of what is done in the Gospel of John. Like John is going to reflect on a lot of the things that we see in the Gospel of John. It's going to be incredibly amazing. In fact, as we read through some of this, you're going to notice, you're going to notice things that are said in 1 John that are also, that, that, that remind you of things that were said in the Gospel of John. And, uh, and those things that Jesus said when he was walking on the earth, and that John is going to write in his letters to Christians around the world, that reflect on those words that Jesus said. It's going to be really cool. Um, it's addressed to what seems to be this letter of John. It's not like uh, one of Paul's writings where he wrote to the Ephesians or to the Colossians or to the church in Thessalonica. This is just kind of a general letter to Jews primarily who have become Christians, who have given their life to Jesus, they're followers of Jesus, and now they're dealing with uh, uh, this transitional time of, of getting out of Judaism and getting their mindset on the things of Jesus. And so they're battling a lot of things and they're also battling the world around them that is coming up against the church. And so John writes to them with these things in mind. Our series is called All In, All In, out of 1 John. All in because anything less than 100% will end in ruin. If we are not all in with God, we will come to ruin. Things will come un, unthreaded. Like that tiny little thread on a garment that just gets pulled and pulled and eventually there's a hole. And eventually the whole thing falls apart because of that one little thread. 
because it wasn't secure. It wasn't 100%. And, and that's what John's attitude is going to be as he goes into this, because the believers in his time are dealing with a number of challenges in the church, in their, uh, in their thinking about this new covenant in Jesus compared to the Old Testament that they knew and studied and learned so much and the challenges that are in the world around them that, that are coming up against them. So many things in this letter that relate directly to the life and the world that you and I live in. And so John has a lot of good things to say, not just to them, but to us. And the only way that they're going to thrive, John's, John's whole argument is the only way that we're going to thrive the only way we will thrive is by being like all in, like going all in, head over heels with Jesus, completely in with Jesus. So John is writing to these followers in these challenging times, and he's trying to encourage them that no matter what comes their way, no matter, no matter what evil may arise in around them and in the church, whatever false teachings uh, that might flood the world about the gospel, and no matter what misuse of God's word takes place around them, that they would remain faithful to Jesus to the very end. That's John's urging. That they would not be pulled away or enticed in any way but would serve the Lord Jesus faithfully with all their heart, all their mind, and all their soul, and then prove to be all in, unwavering and unashamed, just as Jesus was all in for you and for me. All in. First John. Chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. It's all we're going to dig into today. Four verses as we break this. I hope you got your Bibles. I hope you got your Bibles open. We're going to read this, and then we're going to dig into this. John says, that which was from the beginning, that's this huge thought, that which we have heard, that which we have seen with our eyes, that which we saw and our hands touched concerning the word of life. That's that's the, the big phrase of John's book, the word of life. Think about that, the word of life. And the life was revealed, and we have seen and testified and declared to you the life, the eternal life, which was with the Father and was revealed to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. Yes, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we write these things to you that our joy may be fulfilled. What an incredible passage of Scripture seems like every passage of scripture is like filled with with treasure and 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 depth and soul food that we can that we can read think about meditate on 
and, and let absorb into our soul and feed our soul. And this passage is no different. John is going to plead with the believers to commit, to commit to Jesus, to be aware of the dangers and to surrender completely to the Lord and to go all in with him. But before we dig into this, pray with me, would you please? Father, we pray that you would speak to our hearts as we dig into these four verses in 1 John. God, that your word would speak to our hearts, that we would, that we would just remove all the obstacles that are in our path at this moment and all the thoughts that are on our mind. Father, help us to just uh, set those things aside, the things that we're going to be doing later today, things that are coming up this week, the things that are going on in our home. Father, help us just to focus in on your word for these few moments. And we pray, God, that you would speak to us loud and clear in Jesus' name. Amen. So in this series, we're going we're gonna to basically just follow the text. We're just going to expose the word of God and just march through it. Whatever it brings up, we are going to dig into. And today, that's verses 1 through 4. So let's dig a, let's dig a little bit as we go all in. John says in verse 1, that which was from the beginning, that which we have heard, that which we have seen with our, with our eyes, that which we saw and our hands touched concerning the word of life. So check this out. That which was from the beginning. That sound a little familiar? It should sound familiar to us. If you like read the Bible on, on any kind of regular basis, the idea of the beginning should sound very familiar to all of us. Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. John chapter 1, John starts his gospel, in the beginning was the word. And then here in 1 John, John starts his letter out, that which was from the beginning. You would begin to, to realize that the word beginning and the whole idea of the beginning is a big deal to John. As if he doesn't want us to ever question our origins. That, that when, when people throw doubt on how the world began or people want to question, did, was there a big bang and did evolution really happen or did God create the... That John's contention for us in this is that, that we would know without any doubt that in the beginning... God. God is in the beginning. He is before the beginning and God starts the whole thing off. The beginning. It's a huge word in scripture. We see this a lot. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Paul says in Colossians, Jesus is also the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead. Jesus. Because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, we too will die, but we will live after death because of the resurrection power of Jesus. He is the firstborn from among the dead. And in Proverbs chapter 8, chapter 8, it says, The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way, before his works of old, from everlasting, I was established from the beginning, from the earliest times of the earth. 
<clears throat> Our origin is in him. And there's many other passages that, that point to this idea of the beginning and how God is the author of all things. John's going to use the term again in this letter uh, as, as the letter begins to unfold. And it's super important to John that, that his hearers, that those who are reading his letter and us who are studying his word right now, understand that when it comes to the beginning, God is the author of everything. John wants us to, to, to leave no doubt that that is the truth, that we understand that the entire word of God was established in the beginning, that the creation of all things is from God in the beginning. And then in John, uh, 1 John chapter 2, verse 7, later on in this letter, the next chapter, John's going to say, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you had from the beginning. And so John is big on this idea of the beginning. John is fixed. He's fixed on you and I knowing the historical truth about creation. He is determined that we understand that the living word of truth, the living word of truth came in the flesh and he is from the beginning, and that our very existence is rooted in Jesus, the word of life, and his Father, God, that all are rooted in one person, and that is Christ, who is the beginning, who is the middle, and who is the end. John's excited. Not only did God send his Son but John's excited that, that we, that this son who is from the beginning came to this earth and we get to participate with him in what he's doing on the earth even to this moment. We get to be a part of what God is doing. That is just incredible. That is just a miraculous. It's a blessing. It should be a huge honor to us that God would want us to be a part of what he is doing and that by our own will we can engage with God or we can just withdraw and not. But every one of us get to choose if we're going to jump in and go all in with God or if we're going to be one of those people who, who watch from a distance only wanting to get so close. But, but let it be known, and John's, John wants it to be known, that God has made it possible for us to participate with him in what he is doing on this earth. If you look at verse 1, John is saying, we, we him, the apostles, we walked with God. Jesus came to this earth. Remember, this is written uh, much later after Jesus dies and goes back into heaven. This is written years after that. The church has already begun. John is still alive, so it's during his generation that he writes this. But it's later on in his life that he writes this. But he says, we walked with God. That's what he's saying. He said, we walked with God. Look what he says. Hearing him with our own ears. We heard all his teachings 
his instructions. He taught in all kinds of places to all kinds of people in all different cities and towns. We heard him. John says, we got to participate with God on the earth. That's incredible. He says, seeing him with our own eyes. We, we, we looked and we saw God walking in the life of Jesus on this earth, watching him perform miracles, seeing him react to people, looking at the compassion that he had for people in his eyes. And then John says, look what he says, and we touched him with our own hands. We touched God when we gave Jesus a high five, when we hugged and embraced, when we pulled together and put our arms around each other's shoulders and we prayed together, or we just encouraged one another. They're saying, we got to touch God. We touched him with our own hands. This is incredible. This incredible word of life who is from the beginning. Don't skim over this. Don't skim over this truth. This truth John is trying to say to us is foundational. This is, this is forever, this is eternal, and this is everything. This awesome, awesome truth about God as the originator of everything. That Jesus is the originator of everything. Now, the devil, the devil might attempt to be the terminator, but God is the originator, and God the originator will always trump the terminator. He will always crush the terminator. Everything about the human experience that you and I get to experience, it comes from God, it's rooted in God, and it is sustained and held together by God. It's all of God. And the world attempts to destroy, and the world attempts to attack the foundation of all that God has for mankind. The world is not just broken, because of sin and the effects of sin. Like we look out into the world and we see mental illness like you've never seen it before. And now we want to call mental illness normal. People are doing the most absurd things and want to be accepted as some form of normality. What's going on in this world is, is not just sinful and broken, but it is rebellious toward God. The world is in rebellion against God. We, we know what God says and we know what God wants, but the world is shaking their fist at God and saying, we don't care. We're going to do it our way. We want to be God and we want to call the shots. And John is like, Christ has come. Christ God has come to this earth and we have walked with him. We walked with him. Don't let the lies of the evil one water down the truth of God and the word of life. John's case is that we, we have walked with God. We have seen him with our own eyes. We, we heard him with our own ears and we touched him with our own hands. And, and what we're telling you is true. What we're telling you is the truth that he is the word of life. 
from the beginning of time. Verse 2, he says, And the life was revealed, and we have seen and testified and declared to you the life, the eternal life, which was with the Father and was revealed to us. This is very uh, personal to John. Not only is the, is the life, the word of life, Jesus revealed like to all of mankind, but he says he has revealed to us, the apostles. They walked with him. They ate with him. They slept where he slept. They, they watched him. They walked with the one who God revealed from heaven as the Messiah, the Son of God. See, it's all about the word of life. All of this is about that word of life. He is the power. He is the son. He is the eternal one. He is the creator. He is God, the word of life. He was revealed. He is eternal. He was with the father. And then he was revealed to us. He came to the world. This is John reflecting on his gospel in John 1.14, remember where John wrote in, in, in his first uh, gospel, chapter 1, when he said, And the word became flesh and lived for a while among us. This is what John is saying. He was revealed. He came to us. He became one of us. God, Jesus, came to this earth, the word of life, the incarnate Christ who became flesh, who was with God, who is God, and became one of us to live with us. And again, and again, John reiterates, we have seen him, we testify of him, and we declare him to you. John takes it to the next level. First, John and the apostles got to walk with Jesus and be with Jesus and experience Jesus themselves for those three years. But it's not enough, John says, that we experience Jesus in our lives. We had to share him with everyone. We had to testify of his greatness and his goodness. And we had to declare to you who he is and how good he is to us and how much the Father loves us. God became one of us to save us. The word of God that spoke creation into being. That, that was with God in the beginning of time, that came to life and lived with us. We have this burning desire, John is saying, to tell the world because that's what believers do when they're all in. See, when you're all in, when you're all in with Jesus and you've experienced him and your life is now changed because of him, the next logical step is you go and tell others. You must go and tell others. You have to go and share this eternal truth with those around you. You must. Because that's what those who are all in do. That's what they did. That's what we must do. Verse 3, he says, That which we have seen and heard we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. Yes, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And John is like, what we got to experience in our own life as apostles with Jesus as we walked with him, we, we shared that with you. 
as his listeners, right? Those who are receiving this letter. We shared it with you, the, the truth of Jesus and what we learned from him. We shared that with you. And the purpose, the purpose for this is all about a relationship with God. It's about a personal relationship with the God of all creation. John is saying that we, together with the hearers, along with you and me today, would have fellowship together with the apostles who were the eyewitnesses and that our, our, he says, that our, our apostles, hearers, and us, that our fellowship would be with not just each other. Our fellowship is not just in the, the, the learning of the scriptures from the apostles and our fellowship together with the apostles, but ultimately that our fellowship would be with God the Father and his son Jesus. See, what God wants most for us, his ultimate desire is that, that us humans, we would come to know Jesus and that we would have fellowship with the Lord, that the apostles would bring us into a relationship with the Lord Jesus personally, that he would be our mediator. We don't need a priest. We don't need a, we don't need a preacher. That we can have a personal relationship and fellowship with Jesus ourselves. That's what John's saying, that God came to this earth so that you will know him. Not that you will know him through someone else, but that you can personally know him and have fellowship together with all of us and with the Lord. That's God's ultimate desire, fellowship. This word is the word koinonia. The word koinonia, fellowship. We see it right here. The word fellowship, koinonia. And it means, it means uh, partnership. It means a togetherness. It means a participation together in something. This fellowship that we have in Jesus and together with the body of Christ, we have this koinonia fellowship together in Christ. That's what God wants. He wants you to be a part of the koinonia, part of the fellowship. And you can't do that out on your own. You can't do that by not being a part of the body of Christ Koinonia only happens in this fellowship together with God's people and with the Lord himself. It's all about our relationship with God that God wants to enjoy with you. Koinonia, fellowship with the Lord. So many times in the church, we reduce, we reduce our faith to just this intellectual exercise. We, we make it all about knowing information, right? In a lot of ways, we just make it about knowing information. Like we got our Bible study on Wednesday night. We're studying through the book of John, one chapter at a time. And we want people to know the book of John. We want people to study the word of God because it's important for our soul. It's food for our soul. And it is. On Wednesday nights, we take our teens upstairs and we're teaching them. That we've got a bunch of teenagers who don't know a lot about the Bible. We're teaching them just basic things about the scripture. The Old Testament books, who wrote them, what they're about. Because we want them to know the word of God. But it's got to be more than just a, an, an intellectual exercise. It's got to be more than just a head knowledge. 
It's all good that we study the word of God. We need to know the word of God. But it's just not about knowing the written word of God. It's about knowing the living word of God. The word of life. It's about knowing the word that came to life. And if our study is in the written word of God, if our study in the Bible, if our listening to this sermon doesn't lead to a walk, to a deeper walk with the living word, then we have missed the point. It's got to be more than head knowledge. It's got to be about a, a living, breathing relationship with God. If we don't get that, if we don't take it to that living, personal relationship step, then we have come up short of God's will for us and God's hope for us. See, this is John's contention for these followers, that they would know Jesus like, like, he has, like he has come to know Jesus, like the experience that John had with Jesus in the flesh. They, he wants us to have that as well. And in John 17, John records uh, Jesus's prayer and he confirms God's ultimate desire for us who believe. If you got your Bibles, look, check it out, uh, John 17. John says, I have, or Jesus is praying in John 17. John records these words, but this is Jesus's prayer. He says, I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not, they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your, your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For, I have, for, for them I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified, set apart. My prayer is not for all of them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That all of them, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me and they have, they, that they may be one as we are one. I and them, you and me, and may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. That's, that's just part of Jesus's prayer that you should read his prayer in John 17. But Jesus's prayer is, is not that, that God would take us out of the world, but that he would leave us right here in the world to penetrate the world, but that he would protect us in this battle against the evil one. That's Jesus's prayer, that, that, he would, that we would be sanctified, that we would be set apart by his word because his word is truth. That we would be in love with Jesus and his word and no matter what the world does or where it goes or what it says, we will hold to the truth of God's word and we will stand on the truth of God's word and we will speak up for the truth of God's word. We are not gonna let the world just run us over. We're gonna stand tall and represent God in a world that doesn't care. That we will be the light in the middle of the darkness that Jesus called us to be. 
And so here's the fellowship. Here's the koinonia that God desires. Verse 21, that they may be one just as the Father and the Son are one. That we would be one like God and the Son are one. In verse 23, that I and them and you and me and they may be perfected, perfected into oneness. Like that just as the Father and the Son are so united that we would be in this fellowship together with them. Verse 24, that they may see my glory that you gave me for you, God, love the Son before the foundation of the world. Before all this that we know, prior to our very beginning, the creation of the world, before the world was, the Father loved the Son, the eternal Jesus. This is John's big point. The eternal Jesus who was with God the Father before all things came to be. John wants so badly for you and me to understand the living eternal word of life that became flesh and dwelt with us for a while. And not just us, but that all, all people would come to know him. That everyone would come to know him that the world would know. Why? <clears throat> why did God become flesh? Why? why? Why were the apostles chosen as eyewitnesses? Why declare the word of life? Why God's desire to fellowship with you and with me? Why? That the world would know that the Father has sent the Son. That all that God is doing in you and me in the church is, is a living testimony of his love for us that we've embraced. And then we shine like stars in the universe so that the world would know this love of God as well. And that by knowing the Son, we would have life in his name. That they would have life in his name, the fellowship, the fellowship that we get to have with the Father. Verse four, and we write these things to you that our joy may be fulfilled. Our joy, gladness, right? Our, our, our delight, our complete joy, our complete gladness, our complete delight would be complete or fulfilled. Hey, have you ever uh, tried to give somebody a high five and they didn't see it and they just left you hanging? This happens in our youth group all the time, except I don't think they didn't see it. I think they just ignore me. So I give myself a high five. If they won't, I'll do it myself. Here John is saying, don't leave us hanging. John is saying, don't leave us hanging. Don't leave us hanging, man. So we have this great joy in our relationship with Jesus. The apostles know that. They, had, they walked with Jesus. They had this great joy in watching Jesus do what he did. Hearing him say what he said. Watching him touch lives and heal people and walk on water and raise the dead. They watched him do this. And they had great joy in watching and being a part of that. The work that he called them to do. They took great joy in that. But our joy will not be complete 
They're saying to you and me today that their joy is not going to be complete unless it catches fire in you. If it doesn't catch fire in your heart, then their joy cannot be made complete. It's only complete together with you, with you and me. If, if, if the seed that they declared to you and me doesn't take root and it doesn't grow and it doesn't produce a great crop in you, then they can't celebrate fully. They have failed in some way. And our joy is not complete. And this is so true about you and me as parents with our children, our kids, if we fail to pass the faith of Jesus on to them, then how can we be happy about that? How can our joy in life be complete if our kids' eternal security isn't set on Jesus? How can you and I be okay with this if they aren't walking the walk with Jesus? Our joy can never be complete if they aren't. Our joy as parents is only complete when our children are walking with the Lord faithfully and honoring him with their life. That is the only way that your joy and my joy will be complete. This is also true about us and this generation that we live. If we fail to reach our family, if we fail to reach our friends, if we fail to reach our neighbors, how can our joy be complete? It can't. The only way that the apostles' joy is complete is if you and I come to know Jesus and live to honor him and declare him to the world that we pass that baton on to the next generation. The only way that the apostles' joy will be fulfilled is if you make a conscious decision today to go all in with the one who is from the beginning of all things, Jesus the Christ, who is the word of life. Father, speak to our hearts and draw us to you and help us, God, to make decisions that would move us to being all in with you. God, thank you for all that you have done. Thank you for all that you mean to us. Grab hold of our hearts and help us, Father, surrender completely to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, have a great week, and we'll see you next time. Peace.